This is Dr. Bill Parker, and you're listening to the RHS Magnet Spotlight Podcast. Cool. I'm going to try to get as much as I can out of it. Well, I just got in telling Chef Dev that you're not allowed to touch the mics because you got Popeyes on your fingers. I, I haven't but eaten But he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't get to eat. That's what I came and oh. said. Like, oh, well, I, then. Uh, it's one of those days where I bought lunch and it sat there cold, and every time I go to eat it, I get pulled away from something else. All right. So well, it's, uh, it's still sitting in there. So <laughs> my hands are clean. All right. Good. And, and your conscience can be clean because <laughs> I haven't. You don't have Popeye's breath in here. <laughs> All right, is everybody ready? Yep. Yeah. I don't even remember how we start this thing. Exactly like that. That clip is going <laughs> yeah. at the top. Nice cold open. That is your cold All open. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are here for episode two, season two of the RHS Magnet Spotlight. That's I'm, right. I'm Dr. Bill Parker, and I'm here with. With Eric Archilla. Thank you for being here. Here to talk to you about all things Magnet, kind of keep you up to date with what's happening at Richardson High School and in our Magnet programs. And we are joined today with a very special guest from our, is it culinary or culinary? Because I've heard both. Uh, I think cull just kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. Culinary. Thank you. From the culinary Magnet, Chef Dev. Woo. Going yeah, formally yeah. by your full name. <laughs> That's right. Do you want to yeah. introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Devin Niederhauser. Uh, you can tell why you go by Chef Dev. I've been running the Magnet here for this is my second year. Last year was kind of a slow going one, just kind of seeing where the program was and, and what it's been doing um, and finding our, our vision and our path. Uh, now this year is just kind of jet set ready. Let's get going and get, get, get to where we need to be. Uh, well, it's kind of funny going back, and I know you've probably never heard this, but when I first saw his, his resume and first started getting ready to interview him, I'd never met anybody with the name Niederhauser. <laughs> so the only thing that came to my mind was Niedermeyer. And I'm just, you know, Animal House. I'm like, yep. You're all worthless in a week. Now drop and give me 20. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's name's Niedermeyer. No, it's not Niedermeyer. What is it? So it's just kind of funny. But um, Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to tell you that, that we had this opening, and um, – and I'm just going to tell everybody out there, we couldn't be happier with how things have turned out. Um, I saw this resume, and I thought, i got to interview this kid. Um, and he was in North Carolina, and I called him. We did a Zoom back in the Zoom days, uh, and, and he was still working out there. Uh, I said, man, North Carolina, what are you doing? Coming, like, Why do you want to come here? Why are you interested in this? Uh, and he just started talking about his passion for food and his passion for cooking and his passion for teaching um, and as, as luck would have it, I think uh, his family had a need. They were from East Texas. Central, uh, yeah. Central yeah. Texas. Yeah. And, and had a need to move back home. Um, and the move was going to happen. It was just a matter of needing to. Needing and so you know, we actually hired him, um, gave him enough time to get moved, whatever. I don't think he started until October 1st or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we're really glad to have him, uh, Chef Devin. We're real happy with, with how things are going in the kitchen, for cool. sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really enjoying it, man. So tell us a little bit about where you learned to cook, where where you learned to teach. What, what's your what's your background? Um, 
man, how far do you want me to go back? <laughs> you were born on. No. Yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot for it was a Thursday a, a food passion to happen. I think. Um, you know, I always refer to the kids in the magnet as like my merry little band of misfits, uh, just because in my experience, kitchens have always just been a really great landing spot for anybody, everybody types. Um, and for me, had a bit of a rough childhood, uh, not the best upbringing. And throughout most of my life, there was a lot of not knowing where to fit in or who to be. And um, the one place I was most comfortable was my grandparents' house. And my grandma's about four foot eight, little Italian lady. Um, and we would make handmade pastas. We would make, even when we were like really little, we'd just make popcorn from, you know, seeds and Crisco. And so I, I cooked a lot with her growing up and then out of high school, um, I lived with them for about a year and it was like a religion. Once a week I was going to cook with my Nan and we, she's an old special ed teacher. And so she'd make a chart for the fridge and we'd have like, we'd rate every meal that we made and everything. It was like, I was a kid again. Um, but I really found a passion with it there. I knew I loved it. Um, and at the time I was dating this girl and she told me, well, I'm not going to marry you unless you have a college degree. Because at the time, I was, I was doing music. You know, I was finding my passion in music and, and just playing gigs around town. And she's like, well, if you don't have a college degree, I can't marry you. And I said, okay, well, I started school for a business degree. Got about two years deep. That relationship ended, and it made me realize, well, that's probably not the, the girl I want to be with anyway. And I probably don't want to be my dad. You know, he's a businessman. And so I dropped out and took about six months and I realized like, I'm just going to go do culinary school. Like I could pay for that out of pocket. I was living on my own working nonstop. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an affordable opportunity for me. We had a culinary school up North of Waco, about 20 minutes. Um, did a full five semester associates degree there. Um, while I was there, I worked for a catering company in town. So we did a lot of like big wedding stuff and, uh, while I was working at the catering company, Rio Brazos Cuisine, shout out, um, she decided she wanted to open a food truck, but she didn't know the first thing about cooking to order. Uh, so she had me and one of my friends in the company basically just gave us free reign and said, design it. So we got to build our truck from scratch, shop for like an old Frito-Lay truck, pick the equipment we wanted in there, get the wrap designed, build the menu, the whole nine yards. We did everything except for pay for it. And the beauty of that is trial and error. You get a lot of learning experience out of the business side without having any of the risk of losing your entire home and life, right? So did that for about a year until I graduated and through the food truck met the owner of a pub downtown that would do fine dining on the weekends. Uh, so he offered me to come in as a sous chef um, and so I took that upon graduating, did that for about a year with him, and then decided to go back to where I was familiar with and I could get more stability with, which was Outback Steakhouse in Waco, Texas. And came back with the pursuit of being a manager so I could get health insurance. At this time, I'm like 26, 25, 26, starting to think about starting to get adulting. these things rolling. You're adulting 100%. now. You got to make big yeah, decisions. Yeah, I need to grow up. Yes. Um, and so got back into Outback within that first year. I started managing with them. Um, Waco's a real small market. 
and I, I just had bigger dreams. And so I got engaged and we were like, hey, let's just move somewhere we don't know anybody yeah. and pointed at a map and ended up in Raleigh, North Carolina. And luckily with Outback, that's one of their biggest markets. Um, and so they do a lot of their field research and, and studies and stuff like that with their recipes um, and just marketing in general. So I got to join them in Raleigh and we did a lot of test menu stuff and we'd report back our results and, you know, what we thought of this recipe, what we would change, how we would execute differently, how we would plate differently, which is great for me because it's a lot of what I learned in school and, and did on the truck and in the fine dining. And so, uh, once I got married, I realized, man, it'd be really cool to see my wife sometimes. Cause when you're in the kitchen, I was off like Tuesdays yeah. and Wednesdays and she was working, you know, an x-ray job and Monday through Friday. Uh, so I was like, I, I just want to see her sometimes. And so we decided, you know, we need to think about making a move. It was probably me that needed to make the move just because it's not sustainable to be in that restaurant like that. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of sat with myself and said, what do I really enjoy about my job? A cooking? Sure. But you can't just go anywhere and have a different life. But I really enjoyed training new people and teaching them, you know, the corporate structure is here's how you cook this because it's how you do it. Well, I'm more of a type of person that's here's how you cook this and here's how it cooks. Right. And kind of the science behind it. Um, and so I enjoyed teaching that to people and, and I think it helped our staff quite a bit. Just people think about things differently. They learn things differently. And if you can just change your point of view on teaching it, uh, come from a different standpoint, a different place, then I think you can really break through to a lot more people that way. So anyways, we found, found this job on Indeed. You know, one of those nights where you're upset with your job and you're just going through your phone on Indeed of like, I can't wait. And yeah, we ended up finding it and went through with it and bingo, bango, here we are. Sure, and that's great. And you know, we'd never used Indeed, um, and so I was talking to uh, to I think Sharky and Creighton. You know, I was like, "Man, we're just you know, I'm not getting the right kind of applicants mm-hmm. here." Um, and uh, and they said, "Well, we can put it on Indeed if you want." Uh, and so they were you know really great. They put two or three, four jobs that we had you know to fill on Indeed, and it really did. It, it gave us a deeper pool, and, yeah. and I'm glad we did because because man, you're you're killing it up here. I appreciate you really that. Are. You are. So, so we've talked Real about. Quick, go we, ahead. Before we go on, um, I should have said this at the top. Don't feel like you have to turn to me because every time you do, oh, it changes the volume yeah, out totally. So Fair just enough. keep keep contact with with Parker. All right, Parker, my um, best friend today. Yeah, your best friend. Lock eyes with me. You run a flow, and right. I don't want to stop you. But. <laughs> right, got totally. it. Uh, so, so I mean, you're killing it, you know. And, and I think you've done a really great job talking about how you got here and what's going on. Um, but I think what a lot of people want to know is what do you like to do when you're not teaching culinary and you're not cooking? What do you like? What's something that oh, man. people need to know about you? Uh, grew up a nerd, just absolute nerd. Uh, I love, you know, Lord of the Rings, got a tattoo from it. Uh, D- Dungeons and Dragons, video games in general is a big hobby uh, in my off time. I was going to say, I've heard you're quite the gamer. Yes, yeah. So I help with esports here too, which is really cool that I, I get to like, you know, do video games and it be part of my job still, you know, right. um, be involved. Other than that, complete opposite side of the spectrum, uh, I have a real passion for the outdoors. Uh, I love playing disc golf in, you know, near the city. And then when I have the time, I've got a tent on top of my truck that I can just go out find a spot and camp. Uh, camping is a real big passion of mine. I grew up in Boy Scouts and that was 
one of the only places, like I said, rough childhood, one of the only places I had uh, stability and structure. That's an escape. Yeah. It really is. 100%. And so just being out somewhere away right. is kind of nice to just reset and just be calm and nothing else bother you for a while. Kind of funny. You talk about having the, the tent on the on top of your truck. I remember, uh, you know, Mr. Mester, who runs our automotive mm-hmm. program here, he and I, for many years, and then COVID kind of threw a wrench in it, we would go out to uh, to Vegas and take students to Las Vegas every fall for the SEMA show. And I remember when that became a thing. We're sitting there, and we're looking around, and walking around. All of a sudden, I'm like, what's up with all the trucks with the with the tents yeah. on the roof? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like, it just suddenly started. Yeah, overlanding. And, and, and it started, you know, there, started in the mountains, started in Colorado and California yeah. and, and Arizona long before we saw it in Texas. So it was like, I saw it at SEMA, and I thought, what's up with all this? And then about, about 12 months, 18 months later, you start seeing it around here. Oh, yeah. But it was very cool when, it, when I saw it. I thought, man, that's a great idea. Yeah, I first saw it in North Carolina and um, moved here, and there's not a lot of it in DFW. Uh, I've heard DFW's number one or number two on the list of worst places if you love camping. Uh, just because you have to drive far to get anywhere. Yeah, there's yeah. not much around. Yeah. yeah. But Cedar yeah. Hill, I think, is the only like yeah. geographic location close that it is. anything. Yeah. But it yeah. is top five if you're into traffic. Yeah. Hey, still got that on the list. Yeah, that's it. That's right, baby. <laughs> Coming for number one. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to, I know we were, we were steering to, to personal hobbies, but I'm curious, as a chef, what is your favorite type of food to cook? I always had a passion for seafood. I grew up uh, in Houston. We moved to Houston when I was four years old and didn't move to Central Texas until I was a sophomore in high school, so at 14. Um, And I just always grew up eating shrimp and blue crab. Um, Soft-shell crab is, to to this day, like one of my hands-down favorite foods to eat. Um, And so I really, really enjoy cooking fish and shellfish. And then when I went to culinary school, I mean, the beauty of it is there's so many different ways to prepare seafood. And there's so many different flavors that are just seafood. Um, You look at the difference between like lobster and crab and shrimp. They all have similarities, but at the same time, all very different intensities of flavor and all very different flavors in general. And is there a certain food that you detest? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, Raw celery. I think mm. came straight from Satan. <laughs> uh, I can't stand like even smelling raw celery. It's not even like it grosses me out. It just like makes me mad. Um, <laughs> the texture of it is terrible. It's crunchy but also stringy. Uh, yeah, I just hate raw celery, but I love cooked celery. Like you know, you nice. put it in anything, it's great. Uh, but just eating it raw with like peanut butter, like a snack, so the strings are the worst. All right, so let's, not let's qualify this. Let's say I'm making chicken salad. Yeah. You good with crunchy raw celery and chicken salad, or does it literally have to be like soft? I can do it in chicken salad if it's not overdone, and it has to be sliced very thin. Gotcha. I like a thin slice like, because yeah. it adds the crunch, right. which is important. But there can't be so much that you like it. The flavor can be very overbearing. True. So yeah, raw celery is on that list. Kids always get so surprised when they mention a food, and I'm just like, no, that food sucks. And they're like, well, yeah. you can't say that. You're a chef. And I'm like, well, I can say that. Well, it's funny because, you know, I think so many of our kids, you know, they, they – I think we live in a time where, where a lot of a lot of kids eat a lot of processed food. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and you know what? Shout out. A lot of adults eat processed food. Oh, yeah. We just live in that time. It's a convenience thing, um, you know. But I remember probably 10 years ago I was uh, – working as an instructional coach at one of the junior highs here in town, a uh, very low socioeconomics mm-hmm. um, 
very, very diverse population. Um, I think we had like 29 native languages spoken in that wow. school uh, with 600 kids, you know. So, I mean, it was crazy. Um, and one day I'm walking through the cafeteria and there's broccoli. Broccoli's on the trays. And I'm like, oh, they don't know these kids very well. They give these kids <laughs> broccoli. And I walk around and these kids are like, hey, man, you want to eat all that broccoli? And, like, they were fighting each other for the broccoli. And I thought, that is so cool that, the, that like, our students are getting something fresh, not processed, and, and they're totally into it. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Was, it was such a great thing to see. And it, it really changed a lot of what I thought about, about you know, kids and what they will eat. Yes. You know, if they're not jaded toward it, you know. If they are willing to try it, you can really change a life. You that's know, right. and that's, yeah, that's totally. the thing. And you, a lot of it in my class is uh, I have to force them into it. Uh, there's a rule that we that we use, and it's if you cook it and you plan on serving it, you have to eat it. So you have Great to try rule. it before you serve it. That's a thing. And you know we're in a a, a you know lower economic environment. Um, we have God knows how many cultures within this school. Sure. And when we do steaks, I cannot. I'm I'm amazed at how many kids refuse to eat anything below medium well. Yeah. And. The first steak they have to cook is medium. Mm. It's just, to me, it's the hardest one to hit. And so we'll learn on that, and they have to taste it. And we make sure that we season it right and this and that and this and that. And so many of them will be, like, so grossed out. And then they take that first bite, and they chew it. And I'm like, just Mm. close your eyes and don't think about what it is. Just think about what you're experiencing just within your mouth. And it's life-changing for them. It is. One of my seniors this year, she was junior last year and learned it. And she had only eaten well done her entire life. She had medium rare. And she was like, I don't understand why my parents raised me the way they did. You know, like, <laughs> it's just so much better. But so my wife always ate hers as, like, charcoal. Like, yeah. That's why my yeah. So once does. I got her to eat medium, she was in. So, yeah. yeah. So, so just for, for curiosity's sake, when you're teaching them how to cook a medium, mm-hmm. uh, do you teach them to, to cook to firmness or do you use a, a temp? I teach firmness. Okay. Um, in a... In a real life environment, you're not going to have time to temp every steak with Correct. a probe thermometer. Yeah. Not only that, but what you often don't realize is when you use a thermometer on something, you're punching a hole in it. Absolutely. And nobody wants to slice into a steak and there be a perfectly cylindrical hole in it because that makes you think, was there a worm in here or something like that? That's just what, like, for me, that's what my brain goes to. When sure, I see yeah. a small hole, there's a bug. So, yeah, we, we go by firmness. We teach them the whole fingers on thumb trick with the, uh, the firmness of your palm. Um, but the main thing we teach them is the sear is what's most important. Mm-hmm. And then if it needs to finish in an oven, then you can do that after. But awesome. you want to get your, your presentation out of the way first. Since you have a very um, refined palate, mm. um, I mean, like, you, you know food. <laughs> yeah. You've yeah. spent a lot of time around food. Um, where, what would you say is the best meal you've ever had? At a restaurant. My favorite, I, I don't know about the best meal I've ever had. Uh, I have a lot of weird biases. And, you know, when it comes to refined, I've eaten some, like, really high-end stuff. Uh, but I, what I always fall back to is what I grew up on. And, yes, I love seafood. Every year for my birthday, I go back down to Waco. There's a place called Tejun, T-E-J-U-N. Big shout-out to them. Um and it's just like a crab boil type spot. You know, it's nice. crab legs and shrimp, potatoes and corn. Uh, and they make a cocktail sauce and a butter sauce in-house that are just out of this world. And they used to, it used to be a food truck before they got a brick and mortar. And once a month, 
it was like my treat because they'd only be in town once a month and it was like i'd go spend 40 bucks and just yeah. pig out on some crab legs um other than that man like you'd be surprised that and i tell my kids this my favorite restaurant is taco bell it I, is cheap i it love is consistent it. and it tastes good hey, i love taco bell my my wife she's latina and she makes fun of me uh and makes you know gives me a hard time about eating taco bell but i think it is fantastic it's wonderful the cheesy gordita crunch is like the best the king it's the king of the menu so i saw saw an ad the other day i think for a limited time the double decker taco is back and my wife that's her favorite she loves the double decker taco so we're gonna have to hey honey date night to taco bell coming up yeah uh, I went to school at Baylor, so I'm, I'm yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in Waco, I remember my favorite place to go was Vtex. Vtex the, Barbecue, the yeah, barbecue. This is the big old the, the, thing gut, pack. the gut pack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like it was, a barbecue Frito pie. It was wow. just yeah, ugly and gross and awesome. Now, did you ever go when you were at Baylor uh, Taco Z on La Salle? Taco uh, Zacatecas? Yes, yeah, absolutely. yeah. They used to they do just like street style tacos yep. with a drive through though. Right. And so it'd be like, yeah, 2.33 a.m., <laughs> but you could go through there and get barbacoa and lingua and, you know, al pastor, whatever you like. Plus, they had the elote, the corn in the cup, and theirs Love was like it. the spot for the Baylor yeah, kids. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, so so talking about our culinary magnet, we're, we're, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we're heading into the season. You know, we call it the silly season. We've got all the events coming up, a lot of paperwork, a lot of interviews, all the all the all the the different steps we go through when we have students that want to be in the magnet yeah. rising ninth graders um so my question is i guess for the folks that are listening what's what's your ultimate goal what is your goal and purpose in the magnet uh, what are your what's your main objective for the students to come in you know, why should they spend four years with you so that it was something that i think i struggled with that whole first year was finding that direction like which way do we mm-hmm. set course um, knowing myself, I am innately and naturally like very competitive. Uh, so right now what I'm trying to do is get us to a, an elevated level of execution and production, um, where it's not, you know, Hey, we can make a really good chicken salad or we can make some really good tacos. I want to get more into fine dining type stuff because that's where I think the kids are going to learn more of the intricate methods within French cooking. Um, Because I do think that's forgotten a lot as well, is that culinary arts is French cooking. Correct. Um, And so we're trying to get more into that. I'm trying to really lean into the French cooking. Um, I'm not sure if it's been said on your podcast that uh, Pierce down the street just got a brand-new state-of-the-art everything kitchen. Uh, And they have... They have more kids. They have more teachers. They have right now. They have the res- like more resources in general. Sure. I refuse, even that the biggest disadvantage. I refuse to be worse than them. Right. You know. So that that's where my competitive nature is kicking in right now. Is I still have their teachers calling me saying like, "Hey, so when you do caterings, what does it look like?" Yeah. And it's like, dude, can we please trade? You know, let's just right. trade kitchens for a that's week. Right. You know. Um, Tastes like money, baby. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And um, so, you know, little weird little things, and the kids know that I can get really petty about it, but we'll get weird little things from CTE of like, hey, we're going to order four dozen cookies from you and four dozen from Pierce. And so when I deliver the cookies, as it happened last year, I'm like, hey, what did Pierce get? Like, what did they make? 
Well, they made some like four dozen chocolate chip cookies. Awesome. Well, I made two dozen creme brulee sugar cookies, <laughs> and I made two dozen orange cinnamon wheel cookies. Like we just like that a little nice. bit extra level. Nice. Just to show them like, hey, yeah, our equipment's from the nineties, and half the time it doesn't work. And I'm like, I'm down there with screwdrivers and wrenches trying to get you know the gas to flow, but that's what real kitchen life is like. You know, sure. it's it's when you have the passion. You have to learn how to do everything to exist. Um, so I think where our, our ending point is, is I want to get to the point where my juniors uh, down are the ones that are the ones actually like learning, learning. Uh, my seniors, they're in practicum. So the first month, they're, uh, they'll be in-house doing resumes. We'll do mock interviews and stuff like that. Fill out their applications. I want them to get into the real world now, right now, a lot of them are in like fast food, stuff like that. Nothing wrong with that. But we're building relationships with local businesses that are a little bit more niche, a little bit more upscale, niche, 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 niche. Uh, I went to culinary school, not real college. Culinary. But- <laughs> he puts the cool in culinary. That's right. Uh, so I got like one kid right now that's working at the this custom butcher shop just down the road, and they specialize in sausage making. So like just weird little things like that. That you know, that's all right. Let's give him a shout out. Yeah, deep cuts, but deep cuts butcher shop. I think I think uh, yeah. they were butcher of the year last year. D Magazine yeah. butcher of the year. Might be right. I'm, I go good. in there like once a week right now. They make like their specialty is their sausages, um, which is like. To me, it's kind of an old world art form. Yeah. And I usually try to go in there once a week and buy one I haven't tried yet. I was just talking to Dr. Parker before we started this. They make one. It's it's pork sausage with beef franks cut up inside and craft macaroni and cheese. That sounds incredible. It's an entire meal within a casing. It's called the glyceroni and cheese. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the area and you can find it, buy as much of it as you can because they only make it every couple weeks. Um, but a huge fan. I talked to the owner there. Um, he's going to come by late January, early February when juniors are working in pork. And he's I'm going to book him for the whole day so we can just do like a field trip in-house and just yeah. do a sausage making day. They do a lot of really good heritage pork over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, their custom order stuff Holy. is insane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about deep cuts. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I'm very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So ninth graders. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, we've got a, a group of kids that are going to interview, apply. They want to be in the magnet. What can they expect as ninth graders? What they can expect is kind of a boring year. Um, hey, that's going to make them want to sign up. I know. I know. I always try to be very upfront and honest about it. Um, those that want to learn how to cook will have more fun than those that are just here to eat snacks. Um, that's kind of the idea behind the way. I have arranged the education per year, like what they learn each year. Sure. Is I want to, I really want to separate the kids that are just here because it sounds like a fun class and they want to eat snacks every day. I want kids that want to actually learn and they want to be good at cooking. Um, so we start out with like history of culinary, a lot of book stuff. It's really not super fun. Uh, you have to go through sanitation and safety. You have to get your food handler's license so that way you can work with food. Once we do that, um, which is important, it is super important. It's it is the base. It is right? the most important. Thing. It is the base. Uh, after that, uh, January we're going to start 
classic knife cuts. So then they'll actually be able to get hands on after that whole horrible five, what, four or five months yeah. of just sitting with books and slideshows and listening to me talk all the time. So uh, in your marketing, you just need to be like, hey, freshman, you get to come play with knives yeah. freshman year. Yeah, I just right. need to learn how to like juggle knives way to market as it. my opener. Um, <laughs> but they're going to they're gonna do knife cuts, and then we'll do – I'm sorry if you're in eighth grade and you're listening to this. We have to do math for a little while. Culinary get, math. Get to do math. You get to do math. Um, measurements, equivalents, and conversions. Super simple. Sounds way more complicated than it is. Um, and then after that – we're in it, and we start with stocks and soups and sauces, and then we'll move into salads, and then we'll move into sandwiches, and then you'll start sophomore year with breakfast cookery. So eggs, lots of eggs. So that's kind of freshman year in a nutshell. Sweet. When they leave here, what are you hoping that the students are able to do? Cool. So the whole idea behind what I've I've modeled this program after is essentially I'm trying to replicate my associate's degree program that I took and do that in three to four years, right? So I model all of my lessons around kind of the way it was it was taught to me back then. Um, that way, you know, I was a kid that I took a year off after high school because I wanted to be a rock star and you know, college isn't for everybody, and I get that because I'm one of those. I struggled, and even in culinary school, if there's homework, I was dead. Um, not everybody's built for that. And if you want to be serious about cooking and you want to work and you want to be good, uh, you have that drive. I've tried to model this so that you can get into the workforce at 18 and have a leg up on the people that did decide to go to culinary school because you've already learned what they're, they're learning at 18. You've already got it down. Um, that, that's the whole idea of the program. That's the, the, I guess the end goal we were talking about sure. earlier is I, I want every one of my students to just have that leg up and just be able to get going at the very least. If they don't want to be a chef, they can go to college. They can be really broke for a few years and they can still learn how to cook a meal for themselves, like with whatever they have on hand. So, and it definitely helps with getting a significant other. That's oh right. God. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yes. So um, talk a little bit about, because what's one of the great thing about our magnets at the school just across the board is the opportunity to apply what we're doing on campus or in the community. Um, and so I know you do a lot of things uh, on campus. I've eaten a lot of food at a lot of different um, uh, events that you guys have had. So talk us a little a bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you do around campus. Cool. So... When we have the opportunity to, we do our grab-and-go. Um, it changes locations a little bit right now. We're still waiting on maybe a couple pieces of equipment to make it make more sense to do uh, kind of up at the front office, centrally located for the school. Uh, when we're doing hot food, it just makes more sense for us to do it just kind of close to the classroom so we're not walking hot food down three hallways and it getting cold. Um so we do that. We sell food quite often, or as often as we possibly can. Um, geez, last week was what I call cookie getting, which was incredible. Oh, I know. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves it, but me. Uh, we made on Mon between Monday and Tuesday, we made um, just under eighteen hundred cookies, uh, nineteen different varieties because only one didn't turn out. So it would have been twenty, um, but everybody had to make seven to eight dozen cookies in groups. 
so and then Saturday, uh, this year we just partnered with Ace Hardware around the corner. Shout out to another business. Um, JJ over there is the owner. Super cool guy. He got with us last year about five, six times a year. We do a parking lot event with them on a Saturday and we go out there. We cook food on smoker or grill and we hand out samples just to customers coming in or out of the store. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to get our name out there a little bit more in the community. Uh, I love catering within the school. Uh, but if I get outside of the school, I can start charging more appropriately and we can actually start doing better business. Um, and you know, we make more connections for ourselves and other programs in the school. Um, so we do that cookie getting the cookie week. Uh, we do ACE hardware grab and goes Monday, this upcoming Monday, we're catering the PTA meeting, uh, here within the school. Um, every, we used to do, uh, Richardson reads one book, um, every year this year, because, because Pierce got the kitchen, uh, they're going to be alternating schools every other year now. Uh, so they did Pierce this year. They'll do us again next year. Um, all kinds. We have multicultural night coming up in January. I've got three different student groups from different traditional households that are going to be cooking some one bite type foods um, from their own culture, and it's it's great for me because I don't have to plan it. I can just be like, "Give me a grocery list and I'll buy it," right. and you you guys go go with it, you know. Um, but yeah, trying to get outside of the doors is kind of our focus now. Uh, we want to get more community involvement. All the leftover cookies we had from Cookie Getting. Uh, I took to the police department and it's like, Hey man, it's Christmas time. I know y'all are probably crazy right now. Everybody's stealing stuff this time of year. Uh, so we just let the, a bunch of cookies in their break room, just so like the police officers when they're on break or coming in and out of a shift can grab something, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I bet Pierce didn't do that. God, no. Uh, <laughs> something you said just sparked a, a question. Um, have any of your students taught you how to cook something that you didn't know of that uh, was a really tasty, tasty dish. They haven't, there's not a lot of opportunity for them to teach me how to cook something just because I try to keep our inventory really under control just because we have weekends, right? So I can't cycle inventory because we're not cooking the same thing every week. We're not here two days out of the week. And so we have to watch for spoilage. And that's one of the things I take pride in is, is the way I move the money is I, I can find things that are cheap and I know how to spruce them up and make them nice. Um, so we end up saving a lot of money that way. Now, a lot of times, I'm not going to lie, I have influenced a child by saying like, oh, I bet your mom's biryani isn't as good as so-and-so's mom's. And so <laughs> then I get two orders of biryani that next week. Uh, so yeah, sometimes kids will bring food from home. Uh, I've got one right now who luckily her mom loves me, and so I get some jollof rice every now and then. Um, but that's also the really cool thing about the culinary program here is, is again, so multicultural that I have a lot of kids that come from different traditional households that eat nothing but you know West African food, Indian food. Uh, I've got a student whose family does like traditional Jewish yeah. food, and like it's just such a melting pot within one kitchen. Um, this week we did a, a challah bread. Uh, it was like the last, you know, bit days of Hanukkah. Wanted to show some representation there. And it was like the whole boring, they hated it so much, but it was like, Hey, there's a metaphor of like all of our, we're going to break into groups and make some bread dough. 
And then all of us are going to come together and we're going to braid the dough together and it's all going to make one beautiful loaf of bread, you know. I saw a picture of that too. That was incredible. Yeah, it turned yeah. out really good this looked year. looked really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. looked really great. Way better than last year's. Sweet. Yeah. Well, we're starting to run a little bit short of time. Uh, we, we've, we've talked a lot, a lot of great stuff. But we're going to do a segment that Eric and I always do, Five Questions with Dr. P. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You just give me the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. And then I will probably ask Eric because I love to always see what he says to <laughs> See how they contradict each so other. There we go. <laughs> First question. And it's called five questions, but I might have six or seven. Sure. Let's see. All right. So somebody gives you an elephant. You can't sell it. You can't give it away. What do you do with that elephant? I'm keeping that elephant. That sounds well, like. Well, no joke. You can't sell it. You can't. No, yeah. Like, that's a... Like, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to. I'm going to. First, I'm going to have to move and get a bigger backyard. Okay. And then I'm going to be the coolest guy in the neighborhood. And I'm going to have an elephant in my backyard. I'm going to train it. I'll feed it. We'll get one of those crazy elephant saddles. And, you know, I'll take the dog on a walk on an elephant. Nice. Nice. Good answer. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm selling kid rides on the elephant um, to try to make it a side business because that would be pretty awesome. Awesome. And All making right. them my best friend that travels everywhere with me. All right. <laughs> Very good. Question. Next question. Your opinion on garden gnomes, yes or no? No. 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 I grew up in the era of goosebumps. Yeah. And um yeah, anything that is inanimate but has eyes and a mouth, it's not for me. Okay. Interesting. Where where um, you sit on garden gnomes, Mr. Archella? I'm just not really into the um the uh lawn or garden decorative items in general. Um the especially like the the suns and stuff like that mm, always freak yeah. me out. Right. Uh, anything that's clay, um right. I'm like eh. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrap the pink flamingo question then, too. <laughs> I did have a zombie pink flamingo that we would put out at Halloween, but that was about it. Nice, nice. All right, next question. This is the easiest question on the list for me, but I'm not playing. If you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room, what would that song be? That's tough, though. <laughs> um, man, I've thought of everything from like what my funeral song would be to what my walk-up song would be. Uh, I'm going to use my walk-out song, um, and that is, it's a little controversial, it's Kanye West, uh, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Got it. I was afraid you were going to say Gold Digger. No, God, no. Okay. Next, <laughs> the Mr. Nintendo Artello. music from the Wii. Nice. <laughs> the, uh, Very calming. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> that's mine all right if you had a time machine would you travel to the future or would you travel to the past oh the past the past uh probably for cynical reasons but also just like educational reasons like i love history i'd go way further than that and do like the marty mcfly and just be like a millionaire (laughs) one day you know there you go i'd invest in apple in like 96 right you know totally Totally. Mr. Archella? See, I'm too worried about about changing things and, like, the guilt of, like, oh, man, I caused a family member to not be here anymore. Um, so I would definitely go to the future. I would do the Back to the Future thing in Back to the Future 2. I'd go to the future and get an almanac uh, and then yeah, yeah. bring it back and there you go. use that to, to make some bets. All right. Last, last couple questions. Um, what would you do if you were told that you had to work, you have to have a job, but you don't need the money? What would you do? I would, I'd either be like a golf course marshal, because then you're just riding around in a golf cart all day and like watching people have fun. Um, 
a park ranger I think would be really cool just because that's one of my passions. Like I thought yeah. those those dark days at work, I've thought about I'm just going to go join the, the park service, you know? Yeah. So I think park ranger would be number one. Guard all those picnic baskets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Archella? I don't know. I think I'd I'd probably be uh, if I if I didn't have to worry about the money and I could just do what I wanted, I would probably be a writer. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to just like find a peaceful place to go just write and um, crank out some TV scripts and um, get some stuff produced. Maybe some more award winning podcasts. Yes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Great job, guys. All right, so we're we're heading into the season here. We're going to go back talking about the magnet briefly, uh, Chef Dev. Uh, if if a student is an eighth grader wants to get into the culinary magnet, what are the requirements as far as grades, behavior, and such? Uh, we look for A's, B's. Um, I'm not a super stickler on on grades, but I do want A's and B's at least when you're in junior high, um, just because you're learning you know basics stuff in junior high. I feel and. I want to see that you know when you're when you're assigned something or told you need to do something that you can do it, um, and then a lot of our interview process is a lot of personality stuff. Um, I was always I was always better off when I worked in the corporate game uh, that you you hire character and you train skill. Uh, so we we do a lot of personality type questions that are kind of off that doesn't seem like a personality question but it has like small tells and stuff um i'm actually stealing one from vo this year where we're going to take a kid to the middle of the school and say hey good take me to b208 and just have them find it because i think that shows a little bit of problem solving critical thinking uh and it shows like not giving up because you don't know yeah so yeah excellent excellent and so that was i think going to be my next question Mm -hmm. you know i wanted to make sure that students knew and parents knew that when it comes to the interview, we're not going to ask them, you know, how many cups are in a pint sure. and, uh, you know, name us three different types of salt. I mean, we're not going there. You, right. you want right, to see right, if right. they can think. Do they have a personality? Um, how do they uh, How do they answer and operate under pressure a little bit? Right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because pressure is a big one. Epsom, table, and C. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, well, everybody, we're about out of time. Let's wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mr. Archilla, as always, for, for being here with us. Thank you for listening. And Chef Dev, I can't wait. We'll do this again with you uh, soon. It's, yeah. Like, the time flew by. Like, I'm not going to lie. There are Sometimes we do this, and it's a little forced, and we're trying to struggle, and, and the flow, and just the three guys sitting here hanging out talking about this stuff has been great. Absolutely. Well, very good. Well, join us next time. Uh, we'll, we'll have us another great guest in here next time as we talk about all things Magnet. Uh, just for everybody coming up, I uh, hope you have a great holiday break. Uh, dates coming up, uh, January 16th, we will have Eagle Celebration here at Richardson High School, 7 p.m. in the auditorium. Students will have the opportunity to hear from us and then tour two different magnets if they want. Uh, spend some time in there, get to know the, the teachers a little bit and ask questions. Uh, online application will open immediately following Eagle Celebration on the 16th of January. And applications, uh, the online, they're all online, and they, the link will be available on our website. And the application deadline is midnight, January 31st. And then we will make decisions, uh, interviews in February. Decisions are mailed uh, right before spring break uh, around March 8th. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, we'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to the RHS Magnet Spotlight. 
For more information on our programs, please find us on the internet at www.rhsmagnet.org. You can also find us on Twitter at rhs underscore magnet.